Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am the host today of College Prep Genius Podcast, and I am here with Jean Burke, who is the author of College Prep Genius. This is episode 16, and today, Jean, we are going to talk about transcripts. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) That was a loaded question, right? Oh, gosh. In fact, we've been talking for about a half an hour before we even um, click the record button because Jean has so much great information uh, that she's going to be sharing with all of you. And I'm so happy to get this on the recording here so all of you can benefit. Uh, Right now, if you don't know, my interest level in this is very, very high with two high schoolers now. And I've had uh, one child go to college and uh, two more choose to go um, into the job. Uh, you know, into jobs instead of college. And so, um, you know, it's a very important thing uh, depending on whether or not your children decide to opt for college to have transcripts. So, Jean, um, let's talk about that, you know, maybe just a general overview to begin with on um, an official homeschool transcript and uh, what what that looks like. Well, an overview in a nutshell, kind of is just basic information about what what classes your kids took, what credits did they get for it, um, you know, what was their GPA, you know, very very basic information. And, you know, you never know where you're going to use it. Um, sometimes kids will be out of high school a year or two, and all of a sudden they decide they want to go back to college and or go to college. And so it's right. good to have it. And, of course, we homeschoolers, the transcript is kind of that culmination of what we've been doing all these years, you know, and kind of proving what we've done, not that we need – any validation for anybody, but it is important, and I, I think it's important because it's, a, it's an accountability thing. Um, ultimately, it will be needed for college, and even some jobs might require a transcript. So, I think as homeschoolers, we first need to take take a look and say, okay, you know, let's set some goals. You know, your some of your listeners may have kids already in high school, some may have those that are kind of just starting, and maybe some that aren't even there yet, and they kind of want to get a jump ahead and put it on their radar, but I think we as parents need to first of all set set some goals when it comes to the transcript and what we want our kids to end up, you know, at the, at the end of the four years of high school, you know, you know, where, where do we want them to be at, you know, emotionally or spiritually, academically. And I, cause I, I know a lot of times um, many homeschoolers, when they get to the high school years, it kind of starts freaking them out. And so many times we see parents, you know, putting their kids into, you know, a school system, public or private, and, you know, people do it for various reasons. But, you know, it, as a homeschooling parent, you know, it, it's really important to understand that those last four years are the most important years before your child goes out into the world, goes out into a career or into college or, or military or whatever. So we have that opportunity to be able to impart in them, you know, not just the academics, but basically everything that we've been, do, been doing over the years as we've been discipling them and, you know, pointing them to Christ and, you know, just whatever our family dynamic is, you know, we don't want to stop it here now when it comes to high school and just kind of cut it off and, and maybe it get 
all the things that we did get uh, gets undone somehow. So it's real. Mm-hmm. I think it's real important to say, okay, where, where do we want our kids to be? Very good. And you know, it's important now um, to be taking a look at this and keeping good records. Um, I know a lot of times homeschoolers don't necessarily give grades. Um, especially in the younger years, um, you know, it's more of a pass-fail. You know whether or not they've completed the work. Maybe uh, you don't do formal testing. I know I didn't, and I preferred an informal evaluation. And, um, again, check your state regulations and laws for that. Um, you know, in, in my uh, state, uh, we have to have a uh, certified teacher. So there are many certified teachers who are homeschool parents as well. Uh, so do your homework on that, or you might know a teacher in the school system uh, that you know and trust, uh, and they can do an evaluation for you. So it really depends. And um, what does that look like uh, where you live? I'm in Florida, and, and Jean is in Texas. What are well, in Texas, <laughs> well, here in Texas, it's great. It's probably one of the best states to homeschool because, you know, there are no rules, no regulations. We don't have to turn in any kind of forms. We don't have to take role, which I find hilarious in some of these states I go to. Uh, hey, they're at home, you know. Of course they're here. Uh, but, you know, so we're really blessed to be, um, to have, uh, to be, have that much freedom here in Texas. So it's, it's great. But, but I do travel and I do get to go to a lot of other states and I, and I do see the differences. So it is really important mm-hmm. that you do check. And, and the HSLDA and, uh, legal support groups like that are wonderful because they can kind of help you with the laws of your state, you know, if you are unfamiliar with them. So very, right. very good and idea to know that. Right. I will put a link up on, on the podcast. So if you go to uh, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast, um, you will see, um, and even in the intro, I believe it's uh, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash radio. Either one of those will get you to that podcast page. And on episode 16, we'll have links, and I can send you to the HSLDA website. And on their website, they have a specific page of all of the states and then all of the requirements for those states that will take you directly. They've done their homework there and a really good job with that. Okay, so... Um, you know, Florida is one of those states that uh, you do keep attendance, um, you know, and, and I'm looking at a transcript sample here, and I also will have a sample for you that you can download and um, take a look at um, and, and uh, you know, just gives you an idea of what a transcript looks like and how to format it, and it can be done very easily on a Word program um, if, you don't, if you're not good on the web or on the, um, on the computer. You can have somebody do that, um, you know, somebody help you with that. Your kids probably can help you with it if you're not good at this. And um, and so, you know, you're going to have an official high school transcript that's going to keep track of uh, different things. It's going to have, you know, the complete name, address, birth date, that sort of thing. It also is going to have information uh, such as your school year um, and credits earned in the final grade. So. Let's start with that. Like, for example, um, you know, I have done it both ways. Like, one of in Florida, we have course codes, and at one point, we were required to put those in. That tells you how long I've been homeschooling. <laughs> so this is back when my first two oldest uh, were graduating. Their transcripts have course codes, so that you could go to these course codes and find out kind of what they did. Now you don't need that, so you just need the course title, and then the credit earned, and then their final grade. 
Is that what you would recommend? Well, absolutely. That's, that's definitely some of the things that you need on your transcript. And another good thing, make sure that you put your your uh, social security numbers, your SET, ACT scores, and those would be a composite or the best scores of different tests. Um, you definitely need to know your um, grading scale. You know, if you're going to have 90 to 100 as an A or 92 to 100, you need to notate that. You also need to notate special areas for like dual credit or AP or CLEP courses and pretty much total credits earned and, you know, and, and having a good idea of what you need. I think that's one of the things that a lot of parents, when they get to the high school years, is they go, okay, wow, how much math do I need or how much science do I need? Well, I've got a three-tiered uh, high school plan that most high schools use. Um, you can download it for free if you go to collegeprepgenius.com slash roadmap. Um, that's going to give you kind of a roadmap of the, the the minimum recommended and the distinguished program. And I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, kids get to high school and they kind of just want to get in and get out and just do the bare minimum. And what I recommend for parents is to look at the distinguished tier, the highest tier, uh, and kind of gauge your academics around it. And if you don't quite make the distinguished, at least you'll fall more into the recommended plan. And the reason why I suggest parents do that is because so many times high schoolers, you know, they don't know what they're going to do or what they want to do. And, and you know, all of a sudden they're a senior and they're thinking, I think I, I think I want to be an engineer. And then you're looking at the transcript going, oh, wow, we now have to add in another science and another math somewhere. And so you don't mm -hmm. want to be trying to scrambling at the last minute. So it's better to, to go for the most rigorous courses possible for your child so that later on, you know, you're not having to, you know, try to fill them in somewhere else. Right. You know, because I had one child who more than likely was not going to go to college. And, you know, he knew that pretty early on because he had a couple of little businesses, and one of them did quite well where he repaired. It was a small engine repair business. And um, just fixing, like, a landscape company even hired him to fix their high-end um, stuff, whatever. And he did really well with it, Gene. And so even though he was doing this on the side and, you know, I let him take business courses, I still wanted him to have, you know, four sciences and four labs, um, you know, uh, three math because math was not, which is amazing, not something that he enjoyed. Um, he still had to have his, you know, four language classes and things like that. And, you know, I, it's not like it was wasted knowledge, even though he knew, you know, he's in the construction company with my husband, um, who does have a college degree. And so, you know, it's not ever wasted knowledge, and that's what my husband told him, you know, but he does have a foundation now that if he decides at some point to go back to college, like my brothers did when in their, you know, mid to late 20s, you know, that he is going to have that um, to be able to fall back on, and, and he is going to be prepared. You know, he may need to do some refresher courses. Um, but that's, you know, like you said, it's important to know and to have that roadmap. I think that's excellent. So um, I'm looking at a sample transcript I have in front of me here, and one of the things that this uh, mom has, um, and she does run a um, homeschool private school here, she's got some asterisks and notes, and it's interesting because one uh, ninth grade, this child had 10 credits, which is an enormous amount of credits uh, for any homeschool child. And when I look at some of the things this young man took, it's a lot. 
Um, but one of the things she wrote was an, a little asterisk, and it showed which courses were completed in seventh or eighth grade, and she did count it for ninth grade. Um, yes. And that's going to be very important with my, one of my my son um, because he is 15 now and he is dually enrolled um, and taking some college courses. But he his sister was teasing him and saying, well, you've got to do all these classes again. And he said, no, because mom said they counted. Because why else, you know, he's already done with Algebra 2. I'm not going to make him go back and take Algebra 1 in, in you know, ninth and 10th grade just because. So you can, because right. it says here in his course code, Algebra 1 and Algebra 2, two that he took in 7th and 8th grade. And then he took Geometry in ninth grade. So you can yes. do that, right? You can do that. And and what you and the asterisk is a good idea, too. But the anytime a middle school student takes high school level courses, that not only can that credit count, it's also considered an honors class because they are taking an advanced, an advanced course. So, yes. It's not for no, no reason to do that. I mean, a lot of people, like you say, a lot of parents might think, well, we have to retake it over again in high school. A absolutely not. So you definitely give your child credit for that. So, yeah, absolutely. I, we did that with my kids. We called them honors courses because they did take some advanced classes uh, in the seventh and eighth grade. So, And I love it. I, I love it because some kids, you know, um, they're bored already. You know, they've already finished a certain um, curriculum. And they want to move on, and, and sometimes parents might be apprehensive, thinking, "Yeah, but it's not high school yet. I don't want to. I don't want to mm -hmm. do that." But you know, they're ready for it. Then definitely have them do it. Right, and and that's important because if somebody's going to look at the transcripts, you know, and have these, you know, uh, I, I think my daughter was one of those. Um, my my second oldest child, um, she just was very interested in in learning a lot of different things. And if we had put down every credit that she she earned, it would have looked ridiculous. So you don't really want to be graduating from homeschool, high school with like 90 credit hours. It's not going to look good unless you're doing the dual enrollment. And even those courses count. Like, for example, um, this, this student did a dual enrollment class in chemistry. And in college credits, that could be three credits plus one for a lab. So that could actually be a four-credit class. But in homeschool, it's going to be one credit earned. So, you know, make sure that you understand that kind of a thing. And we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk about um, how the credits are given, Jean. And we're going to do something a little bit different today because normally I break away for a recorded commercial. But, Jean, you shared with me something really, really interesting. And I really want the listeners to hear this. And um, you were sharing with me um, some of these high, um, you know, um, high is the wrong word, um, expensive um, courses that are out there and billed as, you know, the answer to SAT prep. And you were, um, you know, explaining this to me before um, we went live today. So can you share a little bit about that? We're not going to mention any company names. Um, but I can't believe that this is out there. It sounds like such a, a good thing. And so we want to make sure you, the listeners, realize that there are some uh, scams out there. So share with us about um, a company that comes in and gives a mock test. Yes. You know, and the thing is, our transcripts, what validates our, our transcript is our SAT scores. Because, you know, colleges don't know that you made that stuff up or not. And so, 
uh, you can't make up your test score. So it's so important to have that, you know, a good score on your transcripts. Uh, but what happens a lot of times is, you know, companies, many, many companies, not just one company, I, I can name many companies, but they will come in to a school, for example, and they'll give their free diagnostic, or they might call it their mock test uh, for these kids, and then they'll turn around and show them a few little strategies, and then they'll turn around and give them another mock test, and then the kids all of a sudden have improved a couple hundred points, and they're, like, so excited, and now the parents want to buy their $5,000 course because, obviously, in just a short amount of time, they were able to, you know, do such great, um, a great increase. Um, but here's the problem. Anytime a company, and, you know, anytime this is a way to test a company's uh, reputation and reliability, is if their tests or their mock tests are made up by them, the company themselves, then you need to know that that's a huge red flag um, because these are not real test questions. And so there's no way to really reflect what your child really scored. So unless it's an actual SAT by the college board or an actual ACT by the American College Test, um, then it's not a real reflection. And so their diagnostic tests are often very difficult, very hard. Kids don't do very well. And then certainly the, the retest they give them, it's a very easy test. So it's certainly easy to manipulate the scores. So just test companies in general, you know, Check out their reliable testimonials. Make sure that they are giving real test questions. Um, you know, what is their reputation? And, you know, what kind of guarantee do they have? Right. And so that's important to know. So if you go to um, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash um, podcast or even just go to collegeprepgenius.com, um, you will find really good information. And so we just want, I wanted to share that with you um, today because that's so important. I have never heard of that at all, Jean, and I just want to warn parents um, that, you know, sometimes uh, things look uh, too good to be true, and they probably are. And one of the things that I have to say about Jean that she doesn't often talk about um, is that she has been on national television, and here we have this graduated homeschool mommy, just like you and I, uh, <laughs> those of you who are listening. I mean, not everyone who listens to the show um, obviously homeschools, but you know, sometimes I look at us like, oh, you know, you're just this little homeschool mom, you know, what do you know, kind of a thing, Jean. And you have been on um, national television uh, talking about your program and its success. So it is um, definitely something that's been out there a while. Uh, it's tried and true. I am a walking testimony of my kids never taking any uh, type of standardized test at all and their first test, um, you know, that they standardized wise, you know, of course they took tests um, at home, but not anything to the level of, you know, a standardized test um, was the SAT. And I had no, um, uh, let's put it this way, no grandiose ideas that they were going to do great. Um, kind of had no expectations, and I was very pleasantly surprised at how well they did and uh, preparing to take it again um, at least several more more times. Um, I have one child who's a senior, so she'll only take it one more time. Um, but so happy um, that I found you or you found me, however that worked, and uh, and that we were able to connect. What Another reason I'm so excited about this podcast so that we can educate those of you listening about a really good, solid program, and um, happy to do that. So, again, the show notes will be on episode 16 on collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down and look for the show entitled um, Transcripts. It will have something with the word transcripts in it, but it's episode 16. 
Well, before um, we took that little break there, uh, we were talking about um, the scores and also what needs to be on the transcripts. And obviously, the SAT scores need to be in here um, front and center. This transcript I'm looking at here has um, the SAT scores at the bottom. Um, our transcripts that I did years ago have them on the top. Does it matter exactly where they are? I, you know, the ones that I've always done have been at the top. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to matter if they're on there, but I, I, ideally I think it would be better at the top because you have to remember that, you know, colleges go up in their rankings because they're test scores. So the higher your test score, the more money they're going to give you. So make that, mm -hmm. you know, front and center. You want to, you know, you want them to know that, yes, I can bring your rankings up nationally because of my test score. Um, and so they're more willing to, you know, obviously pass out the scholarships and roll out that red carpet for you. So, again, if it's at the bottom, it's not going to, you know, they're still, they're still there. I think it's like everything else. Make your best asset the most prominent thing. And so get some great test scores. Let, let them know right off the bat. Okay. Another thing that, um, and, and this is my other, uh, we didn't have this when I first started homeschooling. And for those of you who don't know, I started homeschooling in 1986. So that's many, many, many years ago. So I've seen a lot of changes within the homeschool movement and as well as, you know, record keeping and test scores and things like that. And um, now I see a lot with weighted GPA and unweighted GPA. So what is a, a weighted GPA? Well, the, well let, let, me, let me explain what an unweighted one is first, and then it will help okay. you understand what a weighted one is. Uh, basically, okay. the unweighted GPA is the simplest point system. And you know how we are all for simple, right? Um, and it's basically right. taking your, basically your points. Let's say every A you might, you know, most, most traditional uh, GPAs are, are on a 4.0. So we'll use that. You know, some do 5.0, but 4.0, let's say an A represents four points, a B, three, a C2, a D1, and an F would be zero. Um, and so simply, obviously, you would add all those together. And if you've got, um, you know, a 4.0 in one semester and a 3.0 in the next semester and you would average them, you'd get a 3.5. So that's a very simple way to do it. Now, when you're talking about a weighted GPA, this actually, actually is where the rigors of your courses are reflected. So, for example, you might, they might consider an AP or an honors course uh, maybe on a five, which, you know, and you got to keep in mind that colleges are going to be differently. It's important to, when you're talking to the admissions counselor, to address any questions that you might have and how that particular college does weigh, you know, the GPA. So um, I, I think, honestly, that's how, that's how you end up getting these kids with a 4.8 on a 4.0 scale. So... Yeah. You know, as a, does it ultimately matter? Again, I think it may go back to the college, and, you know, you might you may choose to do it or may not choose to do it. We didn't do it. We just did a simple, you know, 4.0 mm -hmm. scale, which worked fine. I don't – we never got questioned by it. Nobody ever asked us anything. So um, ultimately they look at your SAT scores to validate it anyways. But I think that uh, it doesn't really matter. I think there's such competition right now, you know, and, and you have to also look at it too – you know, a 4.0 at one high school is not the same 4.0 at another high school. Every school weighs and calculates their scores differently, whether it's weighted or unweighted. Um, so the, really the only fair way that a college compares all students, whether they're homeschooled, public school, private school, is basically a test like an SAT or ACT because it levels the playing field. 
So it's, I think it's more of a personal preference for families, whether they want to do a weighted or unweighted. Um, again, it's going to ultimately come down to what the college wants anyways. Right. Well, I was looking at this um, example here, and this child took chemistry um, at a four-year college um, and also English composition and an elementary Chinese class, two, Chinese two, and also CLEPT college algebra. So the, the weighted GPA was 4.26, and I think he got a B in chemistry. So, and that was in the 11th grade. So I could see um, how the mom gave him extra, you know, credit, so to speak, because these were very difficult classes that he took in college. So, right, um, absolutely. Yeah. And if they did work, they should get credit for it, yeah. Right, right. And, I, and then at home, he did like world history, philosophy, British literature, um, he did a health class, and individual and dual sports, and this is a child who is ranked very high um, in fencing. So this is my, my, my friend's child who's a very, you know, very high-level student. So, you know, I'll put, I'll put several transcripts up, so one of a normal child and then one of this excelling um, homeschool child, but um, he's a great kid, so um, I'll block his name, but, uh, and, I'm, and I do have permission from his his mom to use it. Um, okay, so that's all good. So you have, uh, to recap, so you're going to have the different school years, what year that they um, that they completed the course, um, and also, you know, grade level. And then the credits earned, the final grade, we've discussed weighted and unweighted, total number of credits um, that they have. And then also, another thing that is confusing to some parents, and that is community service hours. So how do you figure out, Jean, you know, what is a good number of community service hours? Is there some kind of rule of thumb? Um, I know with Bright Futures, which is one of the scholarship programs here in Florida, they do have a minimum of community service hours that must be earned. Um, you know, so I know that for us, we have a, a baseline, and it is not very high. Uh, right. So, well, you know, um, I, I think a good rule of thumb would be a minimum of 70 hours. And that that's spread out over years, so it's not something that's just like all in one year. And that's why it's good to even start younger, even in, in the middle school years. And I do I do would count those as well. Um, community service is one of those things that if your child doesn't do it, they are going to pale in comparison to all the kids who do. Because what these colleges are looking for, they're looking for well-rounded students, not just you know, good academics and good GPA and a good test score. But they also want to see, you know, what have they been doing with their life, you know, besides maintaining a good score? Have they been laying around the house, you know, playing video games? Or really have they been out in the community and been an asset and really helping others? And I think mm -hmm. the reason why they really do look at community service is because by the end of the freshman year, you know, 25% of kids have dropped out, and by the end of the sophomore year, 50% have dropped out. So we end up getting about 30% of kids actually graduating college. And there's two main reasons for this. Number one, of course, is the finances, you know, uh, and number two is the workload. And I think what happens, there's a lot of um, miscommunication or misunderstanding from the high school students thinking that college is like high school. It's going to be like the 13th year to them. So they're, you know, they're breezing through and barely cracking the book, and then all of a sudden they get to college and, you know, there's four or five hours of homework per class per day, and so they can't handle it. And I think 
when the college admission counselor looks at a, a student's transcript and they see, you know, the, you know, a, a good GPA and a good test score, but they also see that your child has also been very, very involved and very busy with so many things, they, they see that this child can handle the workload. They're, they're mm -hmm. going to be used to taking on a lot. So um, it is really important that you do add community service. Um, we can do a whole, you know, a whole program in it alone, um, but it, it really does set your child apart, and it does set, it does show that, you know, that they're an involved student. And and there's so many. One of the things about community service is you can, you know, you can earn scholarships by by volunteering, and then there are a lot of colleges that will even allow you to 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 get more scholarships while you're still volunteering while you're in college. So okay. there's a lot of a lot of benefits yeah. to it as well. Yep, and I think that is um, going to be our next uh, topic that we discuss um, in our podcast series because that is a very important thing, and it's good to know uh, no matter what time of the year that you're in listening to this. I know my kids earned quite a bit of uh, service hours this summer, um, and it was a, a volunteer basis, and there's a lot of really good things. Uh, like you said, Jean, uh, definitely will help. Well, as we're closing up this show, is there anything else you would like to add on uh, keeping the formal transcripts? Because I know there's a lot of programs um, out there on the Internet. I know a lot of people uh, charge um, big money uh, to do transcripts. I think when we give you a template here, um, I will put one up. Um, it will actually be in a um, – I'm going to put one up in a Microsoft uh, Word document um, that you can actually go into and make changes to because uh, I happen to have one uh, available uh, for you that you find that it is, you know, very, very easy to do yourself. Um, but do you think that – before I let you add the last thing, <laughs> went on to the next thing, Jean. <laughs> I love Jean because she, she just follows along and is a go-with-the-flow person. Um, but um, I think that, uh, you know, simple is fine, don't you think? Or do you think people need to invest in those really expensive uh, transcript no. services? Not at all, no. And, and just, uh, you know, we just typed ours off the computer. You can get those free ones. Uh, you can purchase certain ones. I, you know, just make sure that you type it. You don't want, you don't want to write anything right. in. You know, do specify course title. I think that's really important instead of just, saying, you know, 11th grade history, you know, you want to be more specific with, you know, 16th century medieval history. And and I think also right. signing and notarizing it is a good thing. It's, it's not that that's required. I think it just makes it look more official. And then one of the things I, I want to leave you with this, I think one of the most important things that the families can do out there is in early in high school years, um, you want to download what's called the Common App. And what that is, you can go to commonapp.org. Um, that's the main application that most colleges use for, you know, to, to get into their school. But the reason why you want to download it early in high school, you want to fill it out, but don't send it anywhere because what that's going to do is going to, it's going to show you what gaps you have in your child's education. I mean, you don't want to get to the end of the high school years and realize that you needed another foreign language. So um, do that um, and get a jump ahead so that you're not stressing out at the very end of the high school years. Right. And, you know, I never was a big fan of dual enrollment. In fact, you and I probably need to do a whole class on that because it's taken me um, child number four and five to actually convince any of them that it was a good idea because I thought it was with my my second daughter who was going to – or my second child – I have boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. <laughs> uh, 
Um, God didn't give me two of, of anything together. Um, but my my second oldest, um, who was college-bound, really did not want to do dual enrollment. And um, these guys didn't either until this year. And I was already a mixed bag with one child saying um, after three days of quote-unquote school, she's looking into jobs that uh, don't require college. I think she was teasing, but it, it was I thought that was funny. Well, whereas the other one is thinking, you know, along the lines of a medical degree, which I he's a very smart kid, so I always said to him, you know, pick one, doctor or lawyer, and and he was like, um, baseball player. <laughs> so, you know, we, we do a lot of laughing and teasing around here. And so now he's talking about doing, you know, some kind of physical training. I go, do you realize how much science that is? And you are not really happy uh, taking the anatomy course we took last year, which was very, very difficult and very strenuous, but we all learned a lot. And um, and so um, I would like to do a, a, a session on that. So as you're listening, if you have any questions for Jean, you know, do email me at police at mediaangels.com. Uh, Jean has on her website um, a whole bunch of FAQs. Um, as well as a uh, handout that she sends you um, on her website just for, I believe you send you, you put in your um, email and you can get a newsletter from her. Very, very informative. I get it. has a lot of great information, so sign up for that, um, as well as being able to get Jean into your town. Um, she has a whole lot of information about that um, and getting her to come teach classes, or she has, um, you have people that help you with that as well. Um, or the course, which is where we started, and it's very, very informative and really good. Well, Jean, we are out of time, and um, I'm so happy that we had this session with transcripts, and uh, we'll be back with the next episode, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lise. All righty, bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.